There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, I'm Keith Ewan and welcome to the BT Sport Motor GP podcast. Because Neil Hodgson, Julian Ryder and I need to hot-foot it from the circuit and take it to Tokyo to catch our flight to Australia for next weekend's race at Phillip Island. We're recording this podcast in a car rather than from pit lane. So let's get on with it. Here is how the MotoGP race and championship was won by Mark Marquez. Where's Valentino? Here's Valentino Rossi's on the deck. Valentino Rossi's got the bike on top of him. Rossi has dumped it. Turn 10, top of the hill. That's uh, on the way in. He was well and truly on the way in there, on the brake. So as he was trailing it in there, he's lost that front end. Tollman on the floor. Shock to the system. The icon is on the floor. Oh, oh, no. he's, oh down. he's down. He's down. That is Mark Marquez, world champion. Mark Marquez will be world champion if he finishes in this round. Oh, a disaster for Jorge Lorenzo and Yamaha. Both Yamahas are down and out here at Motegi. This is history being made by the 23-year-old Spaniard. Mark Marquez wins the Grand Prix of Japan in superb style. He's put the boot in to the rest of the teams here in Japan. Marquez from Davizioso on Ducati, Vinales and Alessio Spargro on Suzuki. Cal Crutchlow will come home surely in fifth place as best independence. What a race. We're still in the car, heading towards Haneda in Japan, of course, just outside Tokyo, where the airport is. Uh, It's getting dark now here in Japan. It drops off the edge of the cliff as the sun. But what a race that was. Mark Marquez then gets it done for Honda Julian. It could not have been more perfect for them, could it? Excuse our uh, sat-nav, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. She will butt in occasionally. If you know what she's saying, let us know. Straight on, Keith, 117 kilometres. Great afternoon for nearly everybody except Yamaha. Marquez, I did not believe he could win the championship this weekend. He needed Lorenzo off the rostrum, Rossi out the points. Neither of them finished the race. And you end up with a Ducati and a Suzuki on the rostrum alongside the new champion. Yeah, I mean, it, it was quite bizarre. But, uh, I mean, it's almost, it wasn't about the race today for Mark Marquez. It's what he's done in the past to get to this point to to be able to seal the championship with still three races to go. I can't believe I'm saying it. You know, I'm... Got to say about Mark Marquez, this year has been the year of maturity, hasn't it? Only 23 years old still, Neil, but particularly he's been able to take every point, every he's maximised every opportunity on that Honda this year. Ah, oh, I mean, it's just been it's been a pleasure to watch. Totally different from his other championship wins. Remember when we f- we first started with BT and he won the first 10 races? I remember that horrible <laughs> feeling, thinking. 
oh no, this is not that entertaining. But if you do recall those 10 wins, uh, the first 10 wins in a row, it was entertaining because each one was different. And the way he rides a motorcycle and the bizarre way he sets the motorcycle. So he has to ride it. He has the bike high at the front, low at the rear. He obviously turns the bike with the rear, <laughs> with the rear on the corner entry. And then as soon as he puts his knee on the, the ground, he obviously opens the throttle and he steers it with the rear. It's a unique riding style that only he can sort of tame the Honda and, and get the most out of it. He is remarkable as a rider. And this year, he has done what he said he'd do. He has accepted occasionally that he has to finish fourth or fifth. And he's taken the points. And then, like at Silverstone, when there is a chance of a win and he thinks it's worth the risk, he unleashes the inner chimp and has a go for it. <laughs> Slightly scary, though, that there's still more to come with somebody that's so young. You know, Valentino Rossi, 37 years old, he'll be 38, obviously, February next year, uh, still looking for his 10th world title. You've got to say that, did you ever think that someone would surpass, or could surpass, I should say, because he hasn't done it yet, could surpass the likes of Rossi's uh, career state stats? Not, I mean, not at all. No, no. I mean, uh, in my opinion, personally, at this moment in time, Valentino Rossi is the greatest of all time. You will obviously, it's, a, it's an argument that goes on and on. Giacomo Agostini, Mike Halewood. All I can say with my experience of what I've seen, and I wasn't around when Agostini was doing all the winning, but I've read the books, I've seen the results. Um, Valentino's still number one. But to answer your question, do I think Mark Marquez can surpass that? I actually do. I do, because he's breaking all these records. He's won, that's his third world title, MotoGP world title in four years of trying. Jules? It is, it's his fifth overall, because you've got to add in that Moto2 and 125 title. And you look at whose records he's breaking, and they are the records set by Valentino Rossi, set by Mike Halewood. Uh, will Rossi's record ever be beaten? Well, sometime yes, because records are always beaten. The surprise, the shock, is that it's someone's going to try and do it, will maybe do it so soon. I wonder then, if he will change marks. I wonder if he will take the challenge. As Jorge Lorenzo has done now, decided to go across to Ducati, I wonder at what point Mark Marquez will bail from Honda and go and have a new challenge. Because he's going to be still a young man. If he continues at this rate, there are going to be challenges that, that he might not have at Honda. I think the question for me is it's just motorcycles. Will he be tempted away by the four-wheel brethren is the uh, oh. the first thought that comes Let's to my hope mind. Not. No, you know what I mean. Let's hope not. Absolutely. But, and we know that temptation's floated around in the past. Obviously, Valentino did a lot of testing with Ferrari, what seems like an eternity ago now. I, actually, part of me wondered at the time when Valentino went through some difficult years at Ducati if he'd wished he'd gone down that route. Good Good but, point. But the Valentino Rossi we see that we saw today, this, uh, pre the crash, let's say, yep. is, the, is Valentino Rossi who loves this sport, who loves two-wheel racing. And to pick up on Keith's point, part of the reason you've got to say Valentino is the greatest ever is that passion, that motivation, even at that age, even after so many victories, to keep pushing his body uh, like he does. Will Marquez have that same drive 10 years in the, in the future? I think we've got to ask ourselves as well, or at least ask the question, how sick was Valentino in Motegi prior to 
the racing particularly, but obviously during the course of it, I think you said, Neil, when you saw him, he looked ill, he didn't look right, he's, he's looked sunken-eyed, he looked worn out. He actually said it in one of the interviews, I think you or Gav yeah, with did me, with him. To me, me. Uh, it was the first, it was the, the very first thing he said to me, Keith. Um, and, and that so was they, they off the record, it. that was off the record, you know, before we cameras were rolling, I said, you're right. He always says, like he always does, because he's, it's Valentino, hey, ciao, Neil, how are you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, good, how are you? He went, oh, I'm not good, I'm sick. Uh, jet lag, not sleeping. So, and, and visually, like you said, he wasn't lying. Let's focus, just... let's focus on the mess that Yamaha find themselves in again. We've had engine blowouts this year. We have all sorts of problems where they haven't finished races. Obviously, Valentino chucked it up the street in Assen as well. So, you know, he's got form for what he ha actually did today, Hodgie. Yeah, it's third time he's crashed, hasn't he? He crashed it, was it uh, in America? He took the front, didn't he, early on in the race there? So, yeah, I mean, what we've seen is <laughs> mistakes being made by the incredibly experienced Yamaha riders. The man, the crazy man, Mark Marquez, who we normally see make mistakes, but he's not made one all year. Only mistake was France, but he picked the bike up and finished 13. He scored points in every race this year. Ah, oh, that's what the sat-nav was saying. Keith, it's a traffic jam. <laughs> Oh, no. That's okay. I'm, a, I'm across it. Don't worry. Keith, Keith thinks he's in charge. And I think, uh, well, I hope he is. He's got the steering wheel. <laughs> Ducati, should Dovey have done better? Let me ask Neil that as an ex-Ducati man. I think he did a good job. He wasn't that far behind in the end. He said he got a consistent pace. Unfortunately for Dovey, which we've seen at other races, his race was sort of finished after the first lap. Yeah. You know, if he, if he can get in front of those people, get properly get away with them, he's got a chance. But it were quite a few seconds off, and and that the, was the story of the race. The gap stayed relatively similar. And a weird story with the Suzuki's in third and fourth. Alicia Spargaro, fastest of the two in qualifying, faster of the two for most of the race, but eventually Vinales overhauled him and uh, got another rostrum. Yeah. Suzuki on the rostrum at the home of Honda. Yeah, but you've got to say, at the end of the day, Alicia's had a great weekend and showed the kind of pace that he's capable of doing, hasn't he? I think there, were, there was a bit of a fairy tale that went a bit wrong as well for me. Hector Barbara, who came into Ducati at the last minute um, to deputise for Ianone, and we're still trying to get to the bottom of the rumour. He's had a proper fallout, hasn't he, with Ducati at the moment, and it'll be interesting to see if he actually turns up at Phillip Island, if he's allowed to ride at Phillip Island. Um, Philip Island, who's going to ride the Ducati again? Will it be Hector? Uh, will we see Mike Jones back on the Avintia bike again as we did? He did a good job this weekend. Who's going to ride, though? Pedrosa's bike. That's the one for me. Who is going to get on? Will it be Cal? Well, they're going to need to put somebody else on a Repsol Honda who can score points to clinch the team title for the Repsol Honda team. And who's that? It's not one of the testers. Oyama managed to get a point as the late replacement this weekend. He wouldn't have if there'd been anything like a normal race. Akiyoshi's three or four seconds off the pace. That's no use. So you've got to put Cal or Jack Miller on it. If you put Cal on it, what do you say to Lucio? I know Lucio does what he's told with his team, but do you want to disrupt his effort? And it's the he's in, obviously, for this independent... Uh, championship. I know. I know that means very little to Cal, but it means something to uh, certainly to to Lucio. You know, the, the team owner of the LCR team and his sponsors, his personal sponsors. So it. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot to. Uh, Don't you think he'll be pretty well compensated though, Neil? Yeah, if, you, if he's looked after by Honda, if if he's doing, they recognise someone doing them a favour. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's about priority. Yeah, it, and, and as we know, if Honda say jump, you say how yeah. high. That's, it's, that's sort of the, so the it, way it works. Yeah, and if Honda consider that leaving Cal to get on with it with Lucio was the best thing to do, then Jack Miller is the man you'd uh, put on yeah, the reps for on, his, isn't it? Yeah, for his home race. You know, um, we, the Australians sometimes can do special things around that track, as we've seen over the years with obviously doing in Casey Stoner and Wayne Gardner. Wouldn't it be good to see Mike Jones have another go? Uh, yeah. on his home track at Phillip Island, which he knows. He was dropped in from a helicopter this time <laughs> around uh, into the unknown. Carbon brakes, never ridden on them. Michelin race tyres, never ridden on them. Uh, certainly these ones, anyway. Uh, full factory bike, to his standard, never ridden on it. What would be the biggest, in your opinion, Neil, the biggest task for him to have learnt a brand-new track on that bike? What, what of, of all the tasks he had... Uh, Mike you, Jones, what would have been the hardest? Joe, that's a really good question. I was speaking to his his crew because um, I interviewed him on the grid before the start of the race, and before he pulled up, they said, "Do you know the best motorcycle he's ever ridden is a Panigale, and that's got a key in it." And <laughs> and it just made me smile when, if you want some perspective of what this bloke's had to deal with, this boy. I mean, he's 22 years old and he's not got loads and loads of experience. So I, I think probably a combination of 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 all those elements you said but the main one is and you'll appreciate this Keith what I'm going to say is it's a race bike it's a stiff it's not a you know it's not a production bike <laughs> like the like the Panigale is the fact that this thing gives you no feedback at all and you have to push it so hard to try and get any sort of information from the tyres I think that'll be the biggest thing he's, he had to deal with and let's remember he did not qualify last he out qualified hero Oyama and he finished the race he hasn't crashed once in the weekend and he's done himself you know I think the lad could have suddenly found a career on the back of this weekend might start getting his name right then Mike Jones, Mad Mike Jones, done a really, really good job, and uh, we're all rooting for him if he does get that ride again, if indeed Hector Barber is uh, deputising for the absent Ianone, if Ianone doesn't turn up, if indeed Ianone has had a bit of a uh, fight with Ducati. Heard any more on that, Jules? Uh, all I've seen is Ianone's own Facebook page where he is saying that he's uh, in turmoil and devastated at the prospect of maybe missing the Australian Grand Prix. When I talked to Hector Barber on Thursday, he all but said he couldn't say anything, obviously, but you know what Hector's like, and he was like a, a kid with a new toy when he wearing his team uniform, works team uniform for the first time. And he was saying, well, one race for now. He couldn't say I expect to be on it in Australia. And I was, Neil, wasn't it great to see a bloke who's been around for as long as Hector so excited about uh, being at last a factory rider? Yeah, we, we, we did smile about it. It was like a Cheshire cat walking around, big grin on his face. One thing on that, on the the whole Ianoni thing, when I was out there, which was, what is it now, six weeks ago, nearly two months ago, in uh, Misano, when I went to their test and I got a chance to ride Andrea's bike, Ianoni's bike, he was there with Ianoni. He was showing so little interest in this test. He did very, very few laps. And when I spoke to Davide Tardozzi, the team manager, Davide was looking over his shoulder at Iannone, who was FaceTiming his girlfriend at the time, and he just said, we can't do anything. We can't do anything with him. And basically what's happened is, at the point they decided not to renew his contract um, for, for, for next year, at that point, Iannone's just 
been almost be, become, you, as you would say, Keith, almost like a petulant child, and they just can't control him because they've got no power over him. And uh, that's what that's that was back then. So that was what seven or eight weeks ago, and it just looks like it's got worse since then. Sometimes some of these team managers, team owners, must look across at what's happened at Repsol Honda and think to themselves, if only. That 23-year-old, the youngest man now to have won five world championships, has called three MotoGP uh, after this one. This weekend, he is the world champion, and of course, Neil caught up with the main man. That is a big smile. It's a relief, excitement. The 2016 world champion. Can you believe this, Mark? Remember pre-season? Remember those first races? A little bit difficult. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Because uh, we won here in Motegi. Still remain three races uh, to finish the, the season, but uh, maybe it's not the reality. No, we start the season. We struggle a lot in the beginning of the season. But always we believe, we, we were pushing. This year we changed the strategy. I was uh, calm, but uh, in some moments uh, I was able to, to push more and, uh, and to be faster and faster. Uh, and yeah, uh, really happy for, for this championship because, you know, last, last year I struggled a lot. Uh, the pressure was there. Uh, also the end of the season, uh, you know, uh, okay, I'm a strong guy, but uh, always uh, it's summed up around, uh, but uh, now this year come back uh, stronger uh, is the, 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 most, the most important. But on a personal note, how difficult is it? You are, we know you've got the talent, you've got the ability, but to control the, the winning mentality, which is what you've changed, that's what's won you this championship. How difficult was that? Well, really difficult because uh, maybe to understand this, uh, I lost a championship. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was able to write in one way, but uh, the people already say in my team that be careful. Sometimes the consistency is more important. But uh, I didn't understand, and to understand this, I lost uh, last year championship. Uh, but uh, okay, the most important in the life is learn uh, and uh, try to use this experience. But of course, you know, this year uh, we try to use, but uh, in the end, in some moments you must to take the risk and uh, I was able to finish the races I was able to, to finish in the podium uh, victories uh, really happy last question I think I know the answer which Mark Marquez will we see for the rest of the season <laughs> now I think the old Mark Marquez will come <laughs> thank you I look forward to that you enjoy the celebrations we'll see you in a few we days time <laughs> we will try thank you bye Oh, down has got Rins. That's the end, surely, of his championship. Rins is down. He had a one-point deficit to Zarko. It's a pointless trying to pick it up. I don't know what he's really playing at. Whether he got tripped or whether he did it himself, well, I don't know. That's Sam Lowe's, that's a disaster for him. That's a... I wonder how he did it. That would be interesting. It's up on that horrible little hair You're going to find out. Watch for it. He was in... Yeah, folded the front all on his own. Self-inflicted again. Sam's own fault, I'm afraid. Here Smart is Luti though, it is the Swiss. Tom Luti wins again here in Motegi. Tom wins, over the line he comes. It's a long way to the chequered flag, but Thomas Luti is a very happy Swiss from Johan Zarco and Franco Morbidelli. That's your top three. So Johan Zarco surely has got one hand on the trophy there. The luck pendulum swings in the Frenchman's uh, direction, it would seem here, doesn't it, this weekend. Rins took himself out of it, really. He was already badly injured, and Sam Lowe's just suffered Sam Lowe's bad luck, really. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, f first of all, for me, 
Rins did injure himself um, on the, was it FP2, I think. He had a crash and hurt his uh, shoulder. But prior to that, he had no pace at all. So I don't know what's going on there personally. I don't know what's going on with the team. But, you know, he was 21st in FP1, if you remember. He was indeed. And he was nowhere when he crashed. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, he's got lost somewhere. I don't know if it's the pressure of him trying to win this championship. If you remember, he's never won a world championship before, hasn't Alex Rins, and he's been in the fight how many times, Jules, for the oh, title? Two or three times. And it's come down to the wire every time. Yep. And, he's, um, and he's been the one who hasn't made it, exactly. Been, yeah, the bridesmaid. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, Zarco was brilliant today. Started slowly, not comfortable with the full tank and on the new tyres. As the tyres wore a bit, he speeded up, he got up to second place. He had a little dip at Tom Lutey, didn't he? He had a lap where he had a charge, but decided, nah, Lutey's got that little bit too much today. 20 points will do. Lutey looked like a man that uh, had got such incredibly accurate pace. Every lap, tick, 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 he knocked them off. And he just responded to Zarco at that point. And you said it in commentary, Jules. I mean, where is the point that Zarco mm. goes for 20 points rather than the full 25? And in the circumstances of both Lowe's and Rins not scoring, 20 was good enough. It was, the, it was well, it pushed him to the last lap, didn't it? And I think it was the last lap he thought, all right, I'm not going to get this. But very, very impressive ride from Zarco. The last, I don't know how many rounds, he's, he's sort of lost his way a little bit. And in all the interviews, I interviewed him a few times over the weekend, he talked about being calm. He talked about being in the right place mentally, relaxed. These are the words he just kept on using, enjoying himself, because we know how much pressure he puts himself under. He's a... He's a He's a strange old character, is Johan. Is. I don't really know anyone like him. I agree. He's a, When you think you start to get a grip on what makes him tick or whatever, something happens and you realise that you don't understand the man at all. But when he is in the groove, when, when he's in the mood, he's he's right out with, there with Tom Lutey as the man who can knock out those sort of lap times Keith was talking about. Maybe we should um, set a competition up on BT Sport for uh, someone that can write the lyrics to another World Championship winning year for Johan Zarco. You may have heard us t joking about it over the weekend. Obla Di Obla Da by the Beatles was a song that uh, Johan Zarco has made up his own lyrics to celebrate Brad Binder's World Championship win in Moto3. Now, it, it's remarkable that he did that, but what is even more remarkable, if I can go through the story again, I was stood in the Urta having a cup of tea like I do in the Urta tent. In walks Johan Zarco, polite as ever, nice, demure French person as he is, and he comes in and he wants to tell us about this, this set of lyrics he's written. And then he decides, puts his iPhone on the side, sets it up for the, the actual music, and we get obla dee, obla da, and we're all looking at each other thinking, what the? Anyway, stands there, eyes closed, tapping his foot, singing the full five verses, his lyrics, celebrating, Binder's win in Moto3. Absolutely incredible. Almost mad. <laughs> Almost. Right. But he's fast, Jules. Yeah, but he's fast. So whatever whatever keeps him um, focused on the job, his teammates won a world championship, let's, um, let's enjoy, shall we? But I do not want to hear you singing or anybody else singing, Keith. Uh, let alone Paul Johan Zarco. Such a lot of expectation, 40 points behind Zarko at the top of the tree. Rins, only a point off of Zarko going into today, but um, we've heard about Rins. But what about Sam? No chance really now with uh, three rounds left, is there? 
No, Keith, I think you're right. I, mean, I, I can forgive him for the crash today because all he could do was go flat out, try and beat Zarco, try and win the race and hope the numbers added up by the end of the season. So tipping off at the slow corner, I was hard on him about his riding in San Marino because I thought that was back to the worst of Sam. Uh, but I don't think I've got any right to criticise him today. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Exactly what you said, I to totally agree with. And, you know, when you sat on the side and you, you don't know what's going on, you might say, oh, what well, that was such a stupid thing to do. But already the leaders were trying to stretch it because, you know, we knew what Luti could do. Um, obviously, Zarko's been fast as well all weekend. And, and Sam, he's been a, it was a couple of tenths off throughout the weekend and he could see that. So he was just, he was doing everything he could to try and stick with them. He took the front. How many other people crashed on that corner this weekend? More than 10, more than 15. Valentino Rossi. Yeah, Val uh, so did Mark Marquez in practice on that corner as well. So, yeah, a very, very simple corner to crash on that first gear, turn 10. Let's hear from the main men then, see what they have to say. Thomas, a stunning weekend. I've not seen you put a weekend like this together for quite a while. We've seen you win round this track before, you know, a couple of years ago. You led from start to finish. You must be confident tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. I could earn quite a lot of confidence throughout this weekend. Um, I felt good from, let's say, yesterday afternoon on. So I went in the qualifying with a good feeling, you know. I went out, I pushed, but it was kind of strange. I could not, could not use the first tire. I didn't find the grip. I knew in the end I will have a second tire and I have to push with it and I found the grip, it was a much better feeling, so towards the end I could fight for the pole position again. Uh, it's a pity that Johan took it, but in the end, uh, as you said, the pace uh, is more important for the race than this pole position. Yeah, it's the race pace that counts, so uh, good luck tomorrow. Thanks a lot, thank you. Johan, it looked so close in the end. Maybe not the best start, but you were clawing back. And this penultimate lap so fast, we all thought you might catch up with uh, with Tom at the end. Did you think the same? I really expect that I can catch him, but uh, it was difficult. And really, he had a good pace all the race. It's true that at the beginning of the race, I lose position and my, my rhythm was not good, but I don't have the same style than my opponents. That's why for fighting, even here, was difficult. So. After a few laps, it was coming better, and I could. They were doing mistakes because when you tire get used, I can be stronger, and they are. They have more problems. But then Luti, I expect that he can be tired in the end. But no, he, he was uh, good enough, and uh, and he won. So, but I'm second. As I said yesterday, if I am on the podium, I will be the most happy. And uh, Rins is struggling this weekend, and finally, also he didn't finish the race. So it's perfect for me because it's pretty good to get uh, 20 points more in championship. And Rodrigo went down as well. Disaster at that first turn. There's always something that happens here, isn't there, at Mategi, at that first opening corner. 
Oh. Here is Brad Binder holding on, of course, to Bastianini. Bastianini trying to get by him. We're onto the back straight now, through the 40 mile an hour hairpin, onto the back straight. This should be where the Honda man, the 33 of Bastianini, has a slipstream. This reminds me of Miller and Kent down here. Here goes Bastianini on the brake, surely he's got to do it on Brad, being that close. He's going to force Brad Binder out wide. Can Binder cut to the inside? Has Binder oh. got the pace? Now, side by side as we come to victory corner. And they are Bastianini. Has he done it? Has he done it? He should have done it by now, up and over the hill. It was San Marino last year, his first ever win. This is his second. Enea Bastianini roped to the line. Did he get it? Yes. Just yes. got it over Binder. Ono does indeed get third after fighting, literally, fighting off the two RV of 46 buys. Wow. Boys on the last lap. That is Moto3. Fantastic finish to the race and great to see clean racing as well. Anaya Bastianini won his second race in his career and uh, looked very, very good. And certainly I'm very, very happy. And the man in the back is very, very unhappy. It's only a fiver. But when it comes to me and Hodgie, nobody gets more competitive. And I won, Neil. Genuinely, I'm absolutely gutted. I can't believe it. Well, put the we bet, uh, I don't know when it was, on Saturday we had a, a conversation. You said you got a feeling Bastianini was going to definitely win a race before the end of the season. At that point, I thought, well, the odds are going in my favour. This, this guy's done a lot of Grand Prix. He's only ever won one. Yes, he's improved throughout this, this season, because he started off terrible, if you remember. He's been Mr. Consistent the last probably five or six rounds, but I thought it just hasn't, just don't think he's got that last bit of uh, winning killer instinct. So... Yeah, we did the five-pound bet, and as soon as we shook hands, what happens? He goes out in the ne very next race, the next day, and goes and wins it. So I'm oh. five pounds down, and I'm grumpy. <laughs> and what happens, unluckily for Neil, is that Brad Binder has a weekend when he's really not happy with his motorbike, not feeling it, it ain't working for him. He doubles his seat and tally of crashes to four, and a bad weekend for Brad Binder ends up being second place. And Neil, five-pound lighter. That said, we, we, we do joke about it. I am actually pleased for Anaya, because on a personal note, I really like him. He's one of uh, the characters in the paddock. His English is not great, but he's, 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 um, he's got very typical, warm Italian, friendly personality. Hiroki Ono finished third in the race up on the podium, but unfortunately, somehow, and we're yet to work it out yet, unfortunately we were diving for Haneda and the airport before being able to catch up with everyone around the paddock. In fact, everyone's diving for various ports and airports anyway, so uh, wouldn't have been able to get a hold of anyone, but um, was underweight. There's a combined weight of rider and machine at the end of each Moto3 race. They are weighed, particularly the podium guys, and one at random, I think. And uh, fact was, he was under the minimum weight that was necessary. I asked the question in commentary, Jules, and I don't know whether you've thought about it since. Uh, do you reckon there might be a possibility that they hadn't accounted for the loss of weight that he would have done for a 20-lap race, perhaps? That's, it's a good question, but conditions weren't Malaysian sweat box, were they here? They were just really nice, low 20s, perfect racing conditions it's a physical track so you know maybe that's right but we we've, we've had this once uh, earlier in the season where a bit of ballast was omitted by mistake and um it's it's hard to see how a team as professional as experienced as honda team asia can allow that to happen we see it it's rare obviously it's rare but mistakes happen valentino rossi's tank cover came loose in free practice four was it this weekend you know on it on an outlap it's uh you know human error it's a si simple mistake to make so uh 
yeah, it's just it just seems strange that it was that they are the not that there is an official Honda team, but if there is one, it's that team. Wasn't a good day for Rocky Ono. Should have been starting on pole, but of course had a penalty from the day before that put him back on the second row of the grid. So Rocky Ono, major problems for him. Bullega then being elected back up into the podium position on bike number eight, VR46 of Operation, seeing their man up on the podium. Uh, let's hear though from the race winner, Enea Bastianini. And now it's been a long wait since the last win in Misano last year. You must be so happy with this result. Yeah, this race is so long. <laughs> Brad uh, have a really, really fast with good pace. And um, for me, it's so hard. But in the, in the last, uh, last lap, I have passed him at uh, 11 corner. And I have break a lot, uh, a lot um, later. And uh, it's incredible for me, for my team. Um, nothing. Uh, it's so beautiful win in Japan. And tell us though, with six laps to go, Brad started to pull a little gap, maybe 0.6 of a second. At that point, was you thinking oh, this is impossible? Uh, no, me. For me, it's not uh, impossible <laughs> today because uh, uh, the last six laps I have uh, tried all my best for uh, keep again uh, Brad. And uh, finally, I've passed him and uh, nothing. I'm happy only for this. And Phillip Island next, beautiful circuit. I'm sure you like this place. Yeah, in Phillip Island, uh, uh, in last year and two years ago, it's not stay really easy for me. But uh, this year is another year. And uh, I try again for the podium or for win. Yeah. Well, we look forward to that. We'll see you there. Thank you. See you again. <laughs> Cheers, fellas. Next week, it's Australia. So we'll be back on Thursday for our preview podcast. We'll speak then. Now, where's that airport? softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 